0: I want to go from tonight. And that's this. In our sin, we are absolutely defeated. But God is rich in mercy, and He became the victory for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son Jesus. This is a fundamental belief that comes from the gospel given to us through Jesus and His teachings. Yet I would be very confident, very confident in saying that you and I don't always understand how to live. Out that reality of what jesus did for us in our lives specifically the resurrection but today i want to look at this and i want to unpack what the bible truly says about the reality of the resurrection in our lives today okay and, um i know for myself i can speak uh, to the fact that i haven't always understood how to live out this truth in my life right growing up i remember when i first became a christian i, I know i didn't fully understand this concept Yeah, I didn't really fully understand grace. I didn't understand what that really meant in my life. I I heard about what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I still thought I had to, you know, do the right things or I would lose the salvation Jesus brings me. So every time I would sin, I would get consumed by this guilt. And I would think that I needed to go do a bunch of good Christian things to become saved again, to kind of tilt the scale back in my favor. Do you guys know what I mean? Right? And and so uh, when I I would get in this moment, I would think, well, I better go read my Bible more. Not because I really wanted to understand who God was or, or experience Him, just because I thought that's what I had to do, right? Or, or maybe I would feel like I needed to go to youth group or church more, not because I enjoyed the fellowship, because I did, or but because I felt like if that that was just one thing I really needed to do in, in order to get right back in right standing with God. Um, uh, maybe uh, there were times I was thought, well, maybe I just I'm not praying enough. So I would try to pray more. And it wasn't because I wanted to spend time with God, really. It was just because, once again, I wanted to tilt that scale back in my favor. And may, there are other times I was like, well, maybe I, I'm just, I need to be nicer. I, need to be, I just need to be better. And, and because of these things, I felt like I was never in the right standing with God. And so, uh, so I, I oftentimes felt like I was never even truly saved. And I, I certainly didn't feel free. And I would find myself in this situation frequently, and it became exhausting, right? It became exhausting because I thought my salvation had something to do with me, when in reality it has nothing to do with me because I can't do anything about it. We're all sinners, right? And it sucked the life right out of me because this life that I was promised, I felt robbed of it because I knew that there was something more, and I knew that somewhere along the way I must have messed it up. And one thing I've learned in ministry over the years is that if people feel like failures for long enough, more often than not, they just quit. You guys know what I'm saying? Have you ever experienced that? When you just feel like a failure for long enough, sooner or later, you're like, I'm done. I don't want to feel like a failure anymore. And I know I can relate to this in my own life, but guys, it's by God's grace that I did continue on my journey with him. Um, and, and really, it's by God's grace that any of us do that. But uh, since I have moved on from this in my understanding of this, um, I, I realized that it's something that Satan uses against us all the time. Okay? And, and even in the most devout of Christians. Uh, one of my really, really good friends, um, she came from a cr- good Christian home. Her father was a pastor. Her mom was in ministry. Like, uh, her grandparents did ministry. And um, her grandpa... Um, he was very old, and after a, a, a lifetime serving the church, doing everything he could um, to, to just to be as active as he possibly could, serving God, serving people, he was on his deathbed. And he was, he was talking. And, and when they were going to, to hear what he was saying, he was saying, there's more I have to do. There's more I have to do. I haven't done enough. And one thing from talking to my friend she knew her grandpa really struggled with this idea of, of grace and understanding that, God's, that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for him. And he went to the grave weighed down by guilt and shame because he still thought he had to do more for God to love him, to accept him, and to save him. And I think many people feel like this because oftentimes it's just how our, our lives work, right? And it starts all the way back when we're very little, and, and even with our parents, Right, one of my parents is right here. My mom's right here. Right, and and, and I'm not. I'm not. This isn't a negative on, on parenting. It's just you know we there's expectations that parents put on you, and when you don't you know you don't you don't reach them, then you you get in trouble or you feel bad about it, and, and like there's this this performance um, based mentality that just kind of comes out of that naturally, right? Um, it, it, you know, and it does, it's not just parents. It goes on to teachers at school and, and coaches and sports and, 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 and um, beyond that to even our friends. We have, like, expectations that our friends put on us. And when we don't meet those, we feel bad about it because we didn't perform the way we weren't the, as good a friend that, as we should have been. And it goes on from there when we get a little bit older to, to our bosses at work or, or our spouses Right? We, we, you know, We live in a performance-based world and that mentality often rolls over into how we, review, we um, view our relationship with God. And I, I know I'm not alone when I say I felt like this in my life. I, I feel like every person has walked down this road in, in their lives. Um, and, and so I just want you to think about that. Have you ever really felt like this? That you, you have to do enough good for God to love you and for you to be saved and for him to truly desire a relationship with you? And it's okay to be honest. In fact, it's encouraged. Um, because the fact is, guys, is that we've all been there. But, but what I want you to know right now is that that feeling that you have to do more to earn your salvation is not the gospel and message of Jesus Christ. Okay, it's just not. It's what I like to call a counterfeit gospel. Have you guys ever really looked at counterfeit money? I put a picture up here. Look at that. Does it, can anybody tell me which one is the real one and which one's the fake one? One is real, one is counterfeit. The bottom is the real one. You're right. Okay, but it's amazing. If I was just to hold the top one up to you and to say this, this is a hundred dollar bill, most people look at it and say, "Yeah, it is." Right? It, it looks really close to the real thing. In fact, you really have to examine it to determine that it, in fact, is is or excuse me is or isn't real because it looks so close to the real one. But the little differences make all the difference. Right? Don't they? Can anybody see any of the differences up there? The signatures are different, if you look at that. Some of the text is a little different. Placement of a few things are a little different. It's the little differences that make all the difference. Because at the end of the day, even if the counterfeit money looks real, it isn't. Right? That is kind of like the counterfeit gospel. It looks so close to the real thing, but, if it, but it is different, and the difference makes all of the difference. Right? I heard it said recently that you can tell a fake by studying the real and authentic thing. Right? That's how we know what a, a fake hundred-dollar bill is because experts intimately know what the real one looks like. Right? Examining the real deal will reveal to you the flaws of the fake and illuminate the truths the truths of the authentic. So, what's the authentic gospel? And I've kind of gone over it, but I think it even go, goes back a little bit further, right? It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, actually. God created Adam and Eve to live in perfect uh, relationship with him. He, he gave them everything they possibly needed, um, but he, including free will, right? And they t- took that free will and decided, hey, what God has for me isn't enough. I desire to see what, what else uh, is out there. And they, they part- partook in the, uh, the fruit that allowed them to see both the knowledge of both good and evil, so they chose to live for themselves, and they hid from God because they knew what they did was wrong. And, and through that, it, it, it opened up the door for sin, and the sin separated them and all of us from God. And, and, and over the history of the Bible, you just see God's people continuing to live for themselves and continuing to turn their backs from God. But here's the, the amazing thing about Scripture, if you just read through the whole thing, is that God is still faithful. And so eventually, thousands of years later, he sent his son, Jesus, because we can't do it on our own, so he died for us on the cross to pay uh, our debt for us. It's our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord that unleashed the power of his blood in our lives, not because we have done anything, not because we had anything to contribute uh, with, with paying our debts, other than the fact that we are the ones that put Jesus up on the cross through our sin, but it's because that Jesus has done everything. Therefore, our salvation... And our relationship with God isn't something that can be earned because we have all failed in our flesh. It's only by God's grace that it is possible. And through that grace, abundant life is unleashed for all who have put their faith in Christ Jesus. So Jesus came and he paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins by being nailed to a cross. And I, wanna, I just want to look at something that he says when this is taking place. This comes from John chapter 19, 20 through 30. It says, Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. I want to ask you something. Did Jesus say, it's partially finished? Do you see Jesus saying, it's finished until you mess up, then we have to start over? No. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made a defining statement that his mission to save us from our sin was complete, and when he speaks, we better listen. So with that in mind, I want to look at a couple of the realities that comes from when we accept uh, the fact that Jesus said this is finished. There's two main things that happen, okay? And the first one that happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior is that we die. We die. Scripture makes it very clear that when we accept Christ, we die to our sinful nature. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Who no, who no longer lives when we accept Christ? Us. Right? Who does live in us when we accept Christ? Jesus. Going back to our Romans passage, the first three verses, it says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? When we accept Christ as our Savior, we trust that he is the only way, truth, and the life. We died to sin because Jesus conquered that sin on the cross. The old self is gone, finished, terminated, wrapped up, and is no more. So we, we know we're sinners, right? We know Christ died for our sin, right? But what we need to realize is that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he raised to new life, we were raised to new life too. God no longer views us as sinners. He views us as his sons and his daughters, as his heirs to the throne, as his dearly loved children that he has been romancing since they left him so that he can once again have intimacy with them. And so the second thing that happens when we accept Christ that I just mentioned is that we're raised in new life. The rest of that passage in Romans 6, starting in verse 4, says this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Do you hear that? A resurrection like his. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. This is the the really big point. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's no longer you and I who lives. We have died. We're done. See ya. But Christ who lives in us and gives us new life both here on earth and eternally. Your sin no longer defines you because you have died to them, and it is Christ's life, his holiness, that lives in you forever. And while I fully believe that these two truths of our reality, uh, um, when it comes to the death, burial, and resurrection, are absolute certainties in Scripture, that doesn't mean we always live those truths out, does it? Right? Like, we're, we're really good at looking at, you know, truths, but it doesn't mean always it, it translates to, to biblical living in our lives, right? Far too often, I believe, we believe that if we just think positively about our identity, we can at least get through the day. You know, but, but it isn't about positive thinking, right? It's about right thinking. I heard that the other day. I don't even remember who said it. It might have been Evan. I don't know. But it's not about just thinking positively. It's about thinking correctly, right? As in actually believing in what we know to be true in Scripture and letting that reality reign true in our lives, not the lies Satan deceives us with. And that truth, guys, is that you were not something dirty that has been made clean. You were something dead that has been given new life. And while you might think that difference is slight, you know, or just semantics, semantics it's so much more than that. Remember the dollar bills? Just the slightest difference makes all the difference. Things that are clean, uh, have been cleaned can be made dirty again. Believe me, just ask my wife, she lives with me, okay? Okay. But when we are made new, and and that newness is a life lived with Jesus where death, punishment, and the power of sin has no more control over us, our identity cannot be tarnished again because God's grace, Jesus' blood, and the reality of that resurrection is that powerful for all of us. You cannot tarnish the holiness of Christ, and that's what lives in us. Here's what you need to know about the reality of the resurrection today. sermon's pretty short and sweet, so I just want you to get this, guys. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're saved and you are made new. You're made new. You're not the, the old broken thing that, that you, Satan makes us think we are. We're not that old broken thing that we just think needs keeping, keep getting repairs and fixed because we're never good enough. We're new. We have been raised in life with Jesus Christ, both here on earth and eternally. And in that newness, you are called to a life living in a relationship with Jesus. Satan will do whatever he can to help you forget that, guys. Believe me, he hates it. He he knows, like, when we get that, oh, like, (laughs) spirit's moving through us, and it's powerful. But Jesus died for you, and right before his final death, or final breath, not final death, his final breath left his body. He cried out, it is finished. Say that with me right now. It is finished. One more time. It is finished. Yes, you're a sinner in your flesh, and you're going to struggle, and sometimes it just doesn't feel like you're very new. But when you accept Christ, you are accepting his grace and payment for your sins, and it unleashes that grace to come alive in your life. And nothing can separate you from that, but only if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, as the Son of God. The truth is, is that the resurrection It changes everything. I could stand here all night long just listing the ways that the resurrection has changed our reality as we know it. Our reality has forever been changed since that took place. Nothing has remained the same because our God came down from his throne. He entered this world as a lowly servant. He lived among a people who had scorned God's name. And instead of reaching out in vengeance, he reached out in love, compassion, and humility. And he died for us so that we may have life and have it to the full, both eternally and here on earth. And after his death, our God conquered the grave and rose in victory. He is alive, so and because of that, so are we. And for that, Jesus gets all of the praise and all of the glory, because without him, we couldn't be new. We couldn't. So I want you to remember, you aren't just something dirty that's been made clean and isn't, is being made clean over and over again. In Christ, you are something dirty who someone who died and who has been made new in Christ. Praise be to God. I want let's live in that newness and experience the freedom God has in store for us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the reality of the resurrection in our lives. Father, that through that resurrection we can be made new that we can be identified with your son Jesus. Father, that we can live in the freedom that comes from that. We can live in, in the relationship that you define us with, not what this world tries to sell us. Father, and we thank you so much that ultimately our final resurrection will be with you in heaven. Father, that we are raised in that resurrection as well. Father, we thank you for this truth. I pray that we... Even when we, we start to stumble and fall into the counterfeit gospels or the counterfeit truths out there, Father, that you just pull us back in through your spirit and that you are glorified through that. We love you. We pray these things in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen.